This podcast is part of the 76ers Podcast Network. Search 76ers Podcast wherever you get your pods. A truth that has been painfully obvious for far too long in this country and only reinforced by the unfortunate events of the last half year, the times demand changing. I came here to just say to anybody who's out here watching me or listening to me, keep fighting and keep putting the word out about what's going on. Don't let up. The iron right now is, is hot about what's going on in this country. Racial injustices that is happening. So keep fighting and keep putting that word out. We still want justice and uh, that's all I got. I'm going to continue to keep saying that every time I'm interviewed and keep stressing that. We still want justice for Breonna Taylor's murder. What the league is doing is definitely trying to allow us to have a voice and be heard. For our, myself and for our, our team, we, we are definitely brainstorming on a lot of ideas to make real impact and real change and to do something that we know that we're going to be proud of at the end of the day and continue to push this message and keep it going. What role can a sports franchise play in elevating equality and ensuring fair and just treatment for America's black communities? I think we have the opportunity to be part of the solution and that we make sure that that conversation doesn't die down. With the commitment that we've made and that other teams have made as well, I think we want to be part of the solution in that we are going to continue talking about this and continue drawing attention to it because we know that if we're not addressing the problem and making people aware of it, then there's no way that we as a country are going to be able to solve it. I'm Brian Seltzer, and for the next 20 minutes, we'll go beyond basketball on the court and speak with David Gould, the new Chief Diversity and Impact Officer for Harris Blitzer Sports and Entertainment. This is the broadcast from the 76ers Podcast Network. We got some important subject matter to discuss on this episode of the broadcast, but regardless of whatever it is we're speaking about, it is always good to be chatting with my pal, Lauren Rosen. Lauren, how are you? I'm doing well, Celts. I got to go home and visit my family in Houston, so it has been an unexpected luxury, let's say, to be able to work from anywhere right now, but I'm really excited about the conversation that is coming up on this episode. We're going to hear from David Gould in just a moment. I want to hear what Houston's like this time of year, because back here in Philadelphia, this is my fave ideal climate of the year. We've got mid 50 degree mornings. You can throw on a long sleeve shirt with your shorts, maybe a hoodie if you choose. That autumnal crisp is starting to settle in this. Weather-wise, this is my favorite time of the year, but set the scene for me in Houston. Tell me what it's like down there. Well, I am jealous. I have not used a sweater or sweatshirt since getting on the ground in Houston. It's very hot. It's very humid. It rains a lot, which I think a lot of people don't know about Houston. Um, It's pretty pretty hot here up until around November, December. So I'm sort of missing prime fall season in Philly, but it is what it is. Um, Houston is lovely. It's different. It's sort of like the opposite. It's a big city like Philly, but everything else is the opposite. But it's got to be great to see family. I think that's something I've never had to deal with that at any point in my career uh, to relocate and be uh, even an hour away from family and friends, let alone half a country away. So that's got to be nice. It is nice. And it's the first time I've seen my family since the shutdown back in March. So it's been great to get back here. And it's interesting because Philly is sort of home now for me. I definitely feel a little bit more comfortable there and more like a visitor here. But I think that's good because of what my role is with the Sixers and I love it there. Um, So I'll be back soon enough, but it's been great to get away just for a little bit. 
Well, a new member of the 76ers family is David Gould. He has just been named the HBSC Harris Blitzer Sports and Entertainment first ever Chief Diversity and Impact Officer. Probably no more important person in the organization and company to speak with than him at the moment, given the big picture things and themes going on in the world today. So it is our pleasure to welcome in David. David, first of all, congratulations on being appointed to this position. How are you feeling about being the 76ers and HBSE's Chief Diversity and Impact Officer? Um, I'm feeling pretty grateful right now, to be honest with you. Um, uh, one is it's just an, an incredible honor. Uh, this is the, the it's, an, it's a new role, so it's a newly created position. Um, so there's a lot of responsibility that comes along with that uh, to make sure that it, it's successful. Um, but also, uh, you know, the, the opportunity to advance issues related to equity and diversity, both within our company and our community is something that's deeply um, important to me. Um, it's been, those are both issues that I've focused on my entire career, uh, including my, my time at the Sixers Youth Foundation before I'm, I'm moving into this role. Um, and also, I think on a personal note, um, it's, it's very gratifying because given the, the time that we're in right now, uh, where uh, we're having, I think, long overdue conversations about race and uh, the impacts of systemic racism and what our responsibilities are as individuals or companies um, to to address that. Uh, I'm I'm fortunate to be able to come into work every day and be paid and have a role where I can focus on on making a difference and being part of the solution. So um, I think there's a lot of great work that can be done. We have uh, a tremendous platform uh, with the HBSE brand and, and the Sixers, and um, you know I think we're, we also have a lot that we can do in terms of thinking about how we can use our business. Uh, to really promote uh, equity within our our communities and within our company, so I'm I'm just honored to have the position, and I'm excited to get to work. You talk about making a difference and being a part of probably small scale and large scale solutions to a lot of the stuff that's been going on in our communities and around the country this year. When you think about the role, what are some of the things you're excited to do, or maybe things to tackle in the day to day that you'll be up to? Yeah, um, well, I think one thing is. Uh, especially thinking internally about our company. Um, we have had uh, a lot of very candid um, conversations. I know that we've all been part of uh, among our staff. Uh, and um, I think that we, with the commitment that we've made to, to racial equity and diversity more broadly, there's an opportunity to make sure that we continue those conversations and continue to learn from each other, make sure that we continue to have a more diverse and inclusive workplace. Um, uh, and through that, uh, something that I'm really excited about, especially uh, given that I, I, I joined the company in, in April, is um, it's just going to create a lot of opportunities to get to know uh, colleagues and coworkers more. Um, and so selfishly, that's something that I'm really looking forward to. And I've had uh, built a lot of great relationships over Zoom um, over the past few months, and, and I'm excited to, to continue that and really to get to know and understand um, our, our culture and, and company and, and, and coworkers more. Uh, and then I think beyond that, um, as we think about what our impact is going to be uh, in the community, um, we launched a, a $20 million plan, a commitment that was made by our managing partners, Josh Harris and David Blitzer. And, you know, we, we made a commitment. It's a 10-year commitment, um, so it's going to happen over uh, an extended period of time. But there's a lot of things that we need to get off the ground. Um, we need to move with urgency in terms of uh, how we're leveraging our business to, to do good in the community, whether that's thinking about how we're investing in communities, uh, and community revitalization, how we're promoting uh, underserved 
um, and underrepresented businesses uh, and working more with uh, businesses like, like black owned businesses and then continuing the work of our, uh, our foundations and making sure that we're supporting programs in the community that are addressing racial and socioeconomic disparity. So it's a, it, it, it's a lot to focus on, um, but it's, it's really exciting. And I think that with the commitment that was made, it's really just us walking up to the starting line and there's a lot that we're going to continue to build out and, and do. We were joking about this, David, before we started recording on the interview. There can't be too many people who in this new, unprecedented Zoom world that we're all living in over the last half year that have been hired by a company and then managed to uh, ascend and elevate themselves within that company. A total testament to you and the work that you had previously been doing with the 76ers Youth Foundation. I want to get back to the point that you've mentioned now a couple times, the ability of you in your role to harness the brand power of something like the Philadelphia 76ers, the New Jersey Devils, HBSC, everything that falls under that umbrella. Can you embellish a little bit more on your sense of how you might be able to tap into that brand power to drive the type of change that this local marketplace, whether it's in Camden, Philadelphia, Delaware Valley, Newark, New Jersey, areas like that, that the change that's needed there? Yeah, yeah. No, it's a great question, Brian. You know, we are um, fortunate to have a very strong brand within our markets. I'm, I'm, I'm a native Philadelphian. I'm a lifelong Sixers fan. Uh, so like me, many others, uh, watch everything that we do, whether it's on social media, broadcast, um, uh, or in games. And so what we have is, is we have the privilege of having a voice and a platform where we have a lot of eyes and ears on us uh, uh, all the time. Um, you know, we're in a point right now where we're talking about racial inequity and systemic racism, uh, probably for a longer period of time uh, in terms of a national conversation than, than we've had in, in, in recent memory, um, at least that I can recall. And I think we have the opportunity to be part of the solution in that we make sure that that conversation doesn't die down. Um, in the past, when there have been certain tragic events that have caused us to have, you know, that there have been marches or, or conversations around, around race, um, you sort of see them, but, uh, you know, the news cycle that we live in, they're quickly overtaken by something else. And so uh, attention dies down after a course of weeks or a month. Um, with the commitment that we've made and, and that other teams have made as well, I think we want to be part of the solution in that we are going to continue talking about this and continue drawing attention to it because just because something's not videotaped, just because, uh, you know, it's not part of the news cycle doesn't mean that, um, uh, you know, horrific instances of racism and, and the effects of racism aren't being experienced by, by people of color every day in America. And uh, we know that if we don't, if we're not, elevating and addressing the problem and making people aware of it, then there's no way that we as a country are going to be able to solve it. So from that standpoint, I think it's important that we're um, uh, making sure that we continue to talk about this and then elevate solutions and, and positive things that are going on in our community that are helping to, to be part of the solution. If I haven't said it yet, thank you for doing what you're doing. Obviously, I say this to the players all the time when we interview them, but it's like hard for me to wrap my head around everything that's happening. And I'm just very appreciative for people like yourself that are actively like throwing themselves towards it and making such a difference. Um, you mentioned it in your last answer, but you're a native Philadelphian. You grew up here. Can you just tell me a little more about your relationship to Philadelphia and what it means to you now, sort of on a personal note, to be making the difference that you're making in your hometown? Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, so I'm a, I'm a native Philadelphian. I grew up in Germantown. Um, I was saying to, to Brian before the uh, uh, before we started recording that the only time I really left Philly was for four years when I uh, went to college in Rochester. Um, but coming out of college, really, my whole career has been focused on finding ways to give back um, uh, to the city and, and the communities that I grew up in um, that really shaped me as a person and, and who I am. Um, you know, Philadelphia is a tremendous city. Uh, I'm, I'm a very proud Philadelphian as well. Uh, but we also have a lot of challenges. Um, a lot of those challenges actually can be, um, you know, tied back to, to racial inequity. Um, uh, we have a very high poverty rate. Uh, we have challenges as it relates to um, public education uh, and other things like that that really impact um, uh, black and brown people more than more than others uh, within the city. And so uh, from coming out of college, working in the nonprofit and government sectors, I really just look for opportunities to uh, leverage my skills and experiences to find ways to drive more resources into those communities and to, to have a positive impact to give more people who frankly um, uh, look like me and have had similar experiences to me uh, the opportunity to have, uh, have a good quality of life and, and be successful. And so um, the opportunity to come and do that uh, at the Sixers is sort of a dream come true. Um, not only am I native of a native Philadelphian, I'm a lifelong Sixers fan and a, a basketball player. And so uh, the opportunity to, to marry those two things is a real privilege and an honor. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to ask you a more deeper and probing question in a moment. But did you play at all in college or when you were in high school or coming up? I did. I, yeah, I played. Uh, I played at the University of Rochester in college. Um, I went to Germantown Friends School, so I played high school basketball there, and uh, played a lot at uh, Mount Airy Playground growing up in uh, uh, in the Germantown and Mount Airy section of Philadelphia. Mount Airy and, and Mallory. Very cool. That is great stuff. Um, so this is just have. It had to have been an incredible journey for you to now find yourself here at this stage of your life and in your career. And I feel like when people talk about what they do for a living, there's some people who you could come across who say they have jobs. Um, some people might say they have professions. Other people might say they have passions. Uh, maybe even a step beyond that is some people might call what they do a calling. And from the outside, it seems like your line of work is something that if I just had to presume, many people who are involved in that line of work might say it's a calling. So when you reflect over your life and your experiences, is there one defining moment or period or something you lived through or went through where you were like, you know what, this is something that I feel compelled to do and that I have a calling to do? Yeah. Um, you know, I won't say that it's, uh, it's a single moment. Um, interestingly enough, like issues of, of race have sort of been like, staring me in the face since I can remember. Um, so as I mentioned, I, I went to Germantown Friends School uh, for actually from like kindergarten through high school. For people who aren't familiar, it's a, it's a, a, a very good private school um, located in Germantown. Um, but growing up in Germantown, which is a predominantly black neighborhood, um, uh, relatively high poverty rate, uh, there was really a stark contrast between my experience in my neighborhood and my experience in, um, at school, um, both in terms of the, the racial demographics, but then also the socioeconomic demographics. And so uh, in addition to that, um, I'm also biracial. Um, uh, I, there are similar dynamics and trends across uh, the white side of my family and, and the black side of my family. So ever since I can remember, I've just been, it's actually been impossible not to notice or, or ignore the impacts that race have had on generations of family and friends and, and frankly where a lot of them uh, are today. 
And so, um, again, I, I mentioned before, Brian, that, you know, issues of, of racial inequity are, is, I mean, that's really why it's so important to me um, uh, and why uh, I'm excited about this position because um, I'm painfully aware of how uh, the inability to access certain opportunities or the way people are treated um, impact where they end up in life and, and uh, how they experience and go through life. And so to be able to serve in this position, um, again, is just uh, a real honor because um, it's, it, it's work that I love and, and means a lot to me and is greatly fulfilling. Just to take us back a little bit, um, like you said, you've sort of met everybody over Zoom and your tenure with the Sixers has had this sort of really rapid development. Can you just tell us a little bit about what you were doing before this and what led you to this position? For sure. Yeah. So um, uh, before I came to the the Sixers, I uh, was working in the city of Philadelphia uh, in Mayor Kenny's administration. I was a deputy director on a program called Rebuild. Uh, Rebuild is a four to five hundred million dollar program that's focused on revitalizing parks, rec centers, and libraries across Philadelphia, particularly in in low income areas. Um, uh, that was greatly fulfilling to me because as a kid who grew up in Philadelphia playing uh, basketball in, in a lot of rec centers and playgrounds, um, I know the condition that they're in. Um, uh, it's not great. Um, it's a far overdue investment. And so uh, I was one of the, the founding staff members on Rebuild to help get that program off the ground. Um, and that program, I think, is particularly important, uh, especially related to the work that we'll be doing now within HBSC because not only were we revitalizing community spaces and centers to provide kids and, uh, and residents safe places to play and, and be, um, but also we we're spending a lot of money. Um, and one thing that we wanted to think about is, as we make this historic investment, who's really in a position to benefit from that? Um, so who's getting a job from that? What businesses are getting work from that? Um, and we wanted to make a concerted effort to make sure that underrepresented businesses, especially businesses of color and women-owned businesses, had an opportunity to benefit. And so we put together a number of programs to make sure um, that those businesses who tend to be smaller had an opportunity to, to benefit from the contracts that we were putting out. And then we also put together some workforce programs to make sure that people of color had an opportunity to um, uh, get jobs on the construction sites that that we would be funding. So it was a really, um, I think, thoughtful way of thinking about how you implement a program like that, not just thinking about what the actual physical outcome is going to be, but also being intentional about how it's delivered. And that's something, those are a lot of things that are also reflected in our, our racial equity commitment. We think about how we do business as a company and how we can leverage sort of our operations to, to address um, some of these disparities that we see in our community. And then before I was at the city, uh, I was a program officer at the William Penn Foundation, which is a, a large regional foundation here in the Philadelphia area. Um, and I was responsible for uh, making grants to um, organizations that were doing work in neighborhoods, largely around public space projects and community organizing and engagement. Um, uh, and then was exploring some other areas of work for the foundation related to things like impact investing, where we're, we were thinking about how we can make loans and investments that have a positive impact in addition to just grants. Tremendous. A career in a relatively short period of time worth of service. That's great stuff. Um, and when I think about what the 76ers specifically are trying to achieve in terms of championing equality, inclusivity, racial justice, 
it seems like you have certainly this momentum on the organizational side, where, as you said, Josh and David leading the way with a $20 million pledge. And then the other part of it is, as we all from afar were able to observe from what was going on inside the bubble in Orlando, you have an extremely impassioned group of players and leadership on the basketball operations side that are also trying to do their part, spread the word that needs to be spread as well. Can you take us behind the scenes of how the organizational side and you have interacted with some of the players and trying to amplify whatever message in whatever way, shape, or form they want to try and get out there has been? Yeah, I'm, I'm really glad you mentioned that, Brian. And in, in one of my earlier answers, I, I failed to mention, but should have that, um, you know, the, the involvement of the players is critical to to our overall success and in, in having a positive impact. Um, you know, we really want to view that as a partnership. Um, I think we have to give a tremendous amount of credit to our players in particular, whether it be Tobias, Matisse, Kyle, and others who have really used their platform and, and spoken up um, on these issues that affect them and that they feel are important. Um, and, and I think that the, their voices have really pushed and, and from other players across the league have, uh, have pushed us. Um, they, they pushed teams, they pushed the league to, to speak out and I think take stances and make investments that, that we haven't in the past. And so we want to um, support them. Uh, so, you know, as, as, uh, Tobias is writing articles in the Players Tribune or, or speaking out on things. We want to continue to amplify that message, and to the extent we can amplify his his platform, we want to do that. Um, we want to listen to them um, and understand what's important to them and how we can help support their efforts. Uh, you know, that's a basketball is a team sport, but I'm I'm learning that we also need to think about the the business and the the team as a, a team sport as well. So we want to be as supportive as possible. Something I'm really looking forward to is getting to know the players more and, and, and understanding how we can support them and partner. Something that Tobias and Matisse have both been vocal about is the fact that they know they have a lot of young fans, a lot of young men that look up to them that aren't going to end up being NBA players. And the two of them have placed a premium on being able to inspire those guys to pursue different things and to get their education and to find passions maybe outside of what brought them to be a Tobias Harris fan or a Matisse Thibel fan. Because you have this experience with the Youth Foundation and you have so much experience with inspiring young people, how do you think that that initiative that the players have and then our focus as an organization, how do you think those two things can come together when it comes to making sure that our younger fans are being inspired to maybe do more than just play basketball? Yeah, yeah, no, it's a, it's a good question. I definitely appreciate it because when I was those young fans' age, um, I wasn't looking at Tobias Harris. I was looking at Allen Iverson, and I was thinking that I was going to be going into the league. Um, obviously, that didn't happen. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, it's a great point because there's so many other ways to um, uh, to be successful in life outside of being a, a professional athlete, even though it's a dream that many of us have or, or have had in the past. Um, you know, we want to uh, make sure that we're, we're supporting whatever efforts that, that Tobias and, and Matisse um, and others are, are pushing forward in that respect. Um, something that we have talked a lot about actually in, in, the, in the past few weeks that actually a lot of our staff are already engaged in um, are uh, making sure that, that uh, people and, and kids in particular are aware of like, okay, you may want to be an NBA player, but do you know about all the other cool jobs that you can have in sports without actually being on the court. Um, uh, whether it be what, what you and Brian are doing, what I'm doing, 
you know, working in sales, marketing, business operations, um, finance, accounting, HR. There's so many different ways to be to be part of the league uh, or professional sports or or a basketball team. And um, I think by opening up, up, you know, kids' eyes and understanding not only that that's an opportunity, but here's how you get there, uh, is something that is um, uh, uh, a great service that we can provide. Um, we've actually had a number of conversations in our Black Employee Resource Group about how some of us ended up in sports. Uh, and a lot of it was happenstance. Um, uh, I think so much of, I will say this for myself, so much of my professional career, uh, the opportunities I've been provided have been because of personal personal or, or professional relationships. And um, when you aren't exposed to those opportunities or know people who are in positions that can connect you to opportunities, you really put it at a disadvantage. And, and you know, that, that actually is just one example of how systemic racism um, perpetuates itself uh, uh, within our communities. And so, you know, we want to make sure that there are more people that, that look like us and represent our community that have opportunities to work in sports, work with the Sixers, work with HBSA. Um, and we want to uh, think about how we can send our staff out, create more programs and partnerships with schools like HBCUs. Um, that's actually something that we've talked about with the players as well as, as creating more partnerships with HBCUs to provide uh, historically black colleges and universities, that is, um, uh, to provide those students with, with on-ramps into the industry and, and the company. So there's a lot of things that we're thinking about uh, that we're, um, we're going to be pushing forward in the coming months. Amen to that. I feel like part of me is inclined to wrap this thing up by asking a question like, well, what's the timeline for all the initiatives that you're involved in? What's going to happen in the next two weeks, month, half yeah. year, year? But is this the type of thing that there's so much evolving, there's so much happening? I mean, as we've seen, whether it's George Floyd or Jacob Blake, something could happen in a flash that you are you have no idea what could happen next. It's so at yeah. random and there's there's no formula for what's going to happen how do you approach setting the timeline for the way you're going to go about this role? Yeah. Um, well, I think, you know, you're right, Brian, that we're going to continue to have these instances and events. Um, uh, and because of that, uh, I think that's why it's so important that the commitment that we're making is not, it's not tied to a specific event. Um, it's not reactionary to a specific event. We know, again, like, these things are happening every day, regardless of whether they're caught on video, whether they're documented or not. Um, and that's why the, the commitment that the company's made is, is permanent. Um, it's, not a it's not a program that's gonna begin and end. Um, it's why, frankly, I, I believe my position was created uh, uh, to, to oversee that work and make sure that it becomes infused into the culture and the DNA of the company. And so, um, you know, we have a number of early action programs that we're going to be launching. Um, one example that I'll provide is a, a program we'll be launching called the Buy Black Partnership Program, where we will be donating um, some of our marketing assets. So like when you walk into the arena and you see signage for a certain company on, uh, um, you know, by the scores table or, or on the Jumbotron or, uh, or other places, some of those, some of that signage we're going to, instead of selling it to other companies who pay for that space, we're going to be donating it to, to black owned businesses um, and providing them with some support to make sure that they can take advantage of that. We'll have an application process for that. That's going to be coming out um, in the fall. Uh, so anybody that is interested in that can go to um, uh, we'll be, we'll be advertising it. So if you follow us on social media or anything like that, you'll find out about it. You can find out more details about our full planet, hbsc.com slash equality. Um, 
So uh, that's just one example of something that's going to be coming out in the in the near term. But uh, there's going to be a lot more. Um, and again, this is a, a permanent commitment. Uh, it's not it's not just a one time thing. And so uh, we know that this is a problem that isn't going to go away quickly. It's not going to go away easily. But we have a tremendous opportunity to to use our resources and our position to to be part of the solution. So that's that's the position we're taking, and I'm I'm really grateful and excited to be part of that. David Gould, thank you so much for your time, what you're doing, HBSC's new Chief Diversity and Impact Officer. Can't wait to see what you're going to do. Thank you both. I appreciate you guys. You know, Lauren, I certainly will not even begin to say anything that would make it sound like I am unsatisfied or unfulfilled by what I do for a living. I'm very grateful for the opportunity that I've got. However, I listened to David talk about what it is that he's done. I mean, forget even, before we talk about what he's going to do in his role as Chief Diversity Impact Officer for HBSC, what he's done, I'm like, you know, I I enjoy talking about sports and creating content about sports, but that guy, he's done something with his life. I'm with you. I think there's not a day that goes by, especially in the pandemic, like from, from the jump when we were talking about healthcare workers before all these different levels were added to 2020. I have so much respect for people whose jobs actually matter. I love my job. I'm so grateful for it, but it's sort of like a sandbox job, right? Like we're just playing and, and doing something that we're passionate about and having fun with. And the fact that there are people like David that have devoted their entire lives to actually making a difference and doing something substantial. Like you'll never catch me not giving respect where respect is due to people like that, because I couldn't do it. First of all, I don't think that I have the same skill set that he has by any means, but I will always respect people that are devoting their lives to something bigger than what I'm doing. All right. Well, Lauren, it has been great to speak with you again on the podcast. And we haven't heard from Devon in about a month. So I think if I were to tease ahead to next week's episode of the podcast, which should be coming out, check your feeds next Thursday morning. That would be the 24th of September. We will review some of the 76ers year-end award recipients candidates depending on who has been announced for what so we got to talk about ben simmons and his defense first team all defense and then who knows maybe some other members of the team receive some year-end honors as well that we can discuss fingers crossed i look forward to talking about it with you guys we want to thank david gould for hopping on the podcast thank you lauren thank you out there for listening i'm brian seltzer we will talk to you next time see you